0: Welcome to Trek FM's local watering hole, the place where everybody needs to be these days. I am one of your hosts, Matthew, rushing in with me, as she is every week,
1: the one and only Christy Morris. How have you been, Christy? Hey, I'm back. I'm excited. We're getting to talk about something a little different this time, mm-hmm. uh, since we've had some movies being pushed back with the whole virus thing. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. We definitely had to rework a bunch of the schedule here. And, uh, so, but it's got, well, it's given us the opportunity to kind of go back and, and do some, I think it just some different types of things, like you're saying, and some fun things, some fun, uh, things like, uh, there's uh, a couple movies coming up next week. We're covering a movie that you've never seen. Uh, and then a couple weeks, mm-hmm. we're going to cover a movie I've never seen. So that'll be really fun. So yeah, you know, I mean, the world is not lacking for entertainment. So we have all of your entertainment here on the 602 Club we're covering. And we'll get back to covering what's new when it, the theater's open again. So, um, you know, yeah. I, hopefully for all those who work in the theater industry, for working the film industry and everything too, and, and for all the industries that are being affected right now, we're thinking about you guys, we're praying for you guys, and hopefully... Um, we can find a, a, a good resolution to this sooner rather than later for um, all of y'all's sakes. But um, we are just really excited to be here uh, to bring a little light to your day. Uh, we got a little light in our day. We got a brand new review, Christy, on Apple Podcasts from Kenny. And he said the yes. best podcast on Trek FM. He gave us five stars. And he said, the 602 Club, a geekery speakeasy podcast, is such an amazing podcast and one of the best of Trek FM. The host Matthew Rushing, and the other hosts on the podcast episodes, depending on the film, TV series, or subject, do a great job of reviewing said film and make it fun for the listeners overall. If you like good podcasts, this is one well worth your time to listen to. Um, We really appreciate that. Thank you for giving us a review. You know, it definitely... Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, that's just crazy to hear. We we really appreciate um, those words. And, and um, yeah, we'll keep bringing as much fun and joy to your life as we possibly can with what we'll be covering these next few weeks. Uh, like Kenny, go give us a star rating review on Apple Podcasts, help other people find the show. We really appreciate him spending the time to do that. You can get us wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you're subscribed too, because If you're subscribed to the podcast, you get it as soon as it drops, and that way you can listen to the brand-new episodes as soon as they come out. You can find us on Twitter at Trek.fm. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. You can go to trek.fm, our website, and you can go to the contact section there. You can send us an email if you uh, have some things you'd love to email Christy and I about. We'd love to get your email. And, of course, there's the listeners' only discussion group on Facebook called the Babel Conference that you can become part of. And talk with listeners all over the world. Uh, last but not least, want to say a huge thank you to our associate producers in this time. Uh, honestly, there's no way that we can do this podcast without you and support from listeners just like you. Um, and so if you appreciate what we do here, make sure that the content keeps coming to you each and every week. Go to patreon.com slash trekfm, see how you can become a part of our team. You can be an associate producer like Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millett, or Daniel Noah on the show of your choice uh, if you give it a certain contribution level. Um, but honestly, every little bit helps. We want to thank those guys because they've been supporting us for years now here on this show, but they also make sure, with their donation each and every month, that everything we're doing here on the entire network keeps coming to people. So, appreciate everyone who has been doing that. Not only the um, the social producers here, but everyone through Patreon. And again, that's patreon.com slash trackfm. So, Christy, if people are listening to this, they know what we're going to be talking about. We're going to talk about Swiss Family Robinson, um, an old Disney classic, And I was wondering for you, because I don't know this, but kind of wondering when your first, I labeled it, first shipwreck was, um, when did you (laughs) first see this movie?
1: I actually first saw this probably in about 1992, 93, when I was five years old. And I know the timing because I remember it was um, in the upstairs level of my dad's office building to keep me busy. (laughs) He uh, used to be a a copier repairman and uh, worked for a company called Riddle. I don't know if you've heard of them. But uh, yeah, in the upstairs level, there was a room that they weren't using anymore. And me and another guy's daughter would sit up there. And while dad was working, we would watch this um, old yeller, all of the 60s and 50s era Disney live action movies. So um, yeah, this is part of my childhood for sure. What about you?
0: You know, I honestly can't remember the first time because, well, it's been a lot longer. Um, But I know that this is a movie that I saw very early as a child, and it had a massive influence on me in the sense that this is where my love of tree houses comes from, and my desire (sighs) to always have one comes from this movie. I just thought they were so cool. And I still do. I absolutely adore tree houses. Uh In fact... Me uh, too. Yeah. Have you seen the show Treehouse Masters on Animal Planet? Yes, Plant? I have. Yeah. Okay. So you know what have I'm talking
1: about. Have you seen the ones that you can stay in for Airbnb in Atlanta? No, I haven't. That's really cool, though. Yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah. In fact... Treehouses. The, the Treehouse Masters uh, actual location um, where, where their treehouse headquarters is, is about... Two and a half hours north of where I live. So we've wanted to go and stay at one, but they're so backed up with um, their bookings. um, You have to like do it a year out. So hopefully we'll get a chance to go stay with them. But yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those movies like like you were talking about, like with Old Yeller or Pollyanna or any of those, uh, you know, live action Disney movies. This is definitely one that was in heavy rotation when I was a kid. Um, and, uh, grew up with and adored then. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I still love this movie. Um, and I, I think part of that is just, I think part of that is just, I was thinking and I was doing some research and I, I because I didn't know where they filmed this movie. So in filming mm-hmm. this, um, they searched all over the place to try and find, you know, just kind of the right look and feel, for what they were going for, and they ended up on the island of Tobago, which is in the Caribbean uh, and I thought that was really interesting because i I know of Trinidad and tobago um they are a, a, a comp- they are a, a group of islands there um mm-hmm. and together they form the country of Trinidad and Tobago, which uh plays in concacaf, which is the body of of soccer for the western half of, of, um, like, North America, South America, and all that stuff. Anyway, that's how I know of the island. That has nothing to do with the show. But I just thought it was really interesting (laughs) because I didn't realize they had filmed there. Um, But I think in filming this movie on an actual island and being in an actual place makes the movie just feel so real... Because I also didn't know this, the tree is an actual tree that they just found on the island, and of course they built the treehouse in that tree, and that stood there in the tree to like 1963 before a hurricane came through and tore it down, unfortunately, or it would still probably mm-hmm. be there um, because... Uh, The people on the island asked them to leave it there. So I just thought that was amazing. And I think, again, in filming this movie, they made such a great call in going to an actual location like this.
1: Yeah, I think that you really couldn't do a movie like this that's about survival in a desert island without being on a desert island. Because otherwise, you've got so much you would have to put together set-wise to get it to look authentic enough. Yeah, I think they made the right call in going to a real environment like that. And it was really beautiful, even though it seems like it was probably miserable as far as the heat, possibly mosquitoes, and then all of the critters you might run into. Um, but it's beautiful. And it, it the treehouse is the coolest part of the whole movie, if not the wildlife that they get to interact with. I love the zebra, personally.
0: Yeah, no, and it, you know, what's really funny is that this island doesn't actually have any local wildlife. So they had to bring all their own Mm. wildlife. So like the monkeys and the zebra and all of the, you know, the tiger or the elephant, everything that you're seeing there, and Mm -hmm. some, I'm sure some of even the exotic birds um, that they have, the, those are all there with their animal trainers and everything. So to me, that was fascinating. That I mean, because obviously on the island they chose anyway, there are not elephants or tigers or anything like that, right? So yeah, that would a, be more Asian countries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's fa it was fascinating to me, uh, and it makes a little bit more sense because they were headed towards Papua New Guinea, so some of these animals make, make more sense for them to to have there. But just thinking mm-hmm. of the am- amount of animals that they have in this film, I mean, it's crazy. Like you said, zebra and hyenas and ostriches and, I mean...
1: The donkey it, yes. and the pigs. Yeah. Yeah. That's a
0: lot to keep track of. So they definitely do, I think, a really good job of this. But like you mentioned... um, The uh, actor who plays the father, John Mills, (laughs) which is great because I know a good friend. Is that the John Mills Mills we know? Not that same one. (laughs) But he talks about Mm. how difficult it was for them to film um, here. You know, you had um, swamps, you had land crabs, you had snakes, you know, you had sharks in the water, barracudas. I mean, and all the time worrying about the heat and the sunstroke you could get. So it doesn't sound like the filming experience was probably the best. But I think it's amazing that what comes across on screen is anything but awful.
1: Yeah. And especially in the scenes where they are swimming in the swimming hole and playing near waterfalls. It comes across more like Costa Rica. Like, oh, it must be so, you know mild-temperatured and um, comfortable and there's all this water and lush jungle everywhere and it's like, no, actually the reality apparently of Tobago is it's just hot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's really interesting because there are those scenes where, you know, uh, the two oldest sons and Roberta are crossing the island, you know, to get back to their parents and, you know, it, it does not look like fun. I mean... No. And I was really shocked with just how... Um, you know, it just felt really real. You know, and they were all in all of these places that mm-hmm. just did not look like any kind of movie set. It just looked like harsh jungle and, and type of place you don't want to yeah. be caught
1: in. The only thing in the whole movie to myself and my husband that doesn't look real is the fight with the anaconda in the water. Yeah, yeah. They did the the
0: anaconda fight way
1: before the movie Anaconda. Yeah, so it basically ends up looking like two guys wrestling with a rubber snake that's just limp. So, I mean, they did it, but it wasn't great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, um, that's definitely one of the very few scenes in the movie where I'm like, you should probably just cut that scene down a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm because it doesn't need to be as long as, as they have it. um, You know, well, yeah, but otherwise I, I feel like the rest of the movie does a pretty good job of, you know, looking very, very good, very realistic, you know. Uh, you definitely get the feel, again, for filming that you're... It's, it feels more like reality. Obviously the setup with uh, the, the treehouse is very elaborate and everything, and some of the Interesting things that they have set up with, um, you know, uh, creating the wheel that turns that collects the water, that kind of like all those kind of things. Could they pop? Mm-hmm. Like, could they have done that? You know, you, it it it's still. I mean, again, it's still something that somebody figured out, and it looks like it works. But um, you know, those are things where I suspend my disbelief just a little bit for the movie. But I feel like the rest mm-hmm. of it, again, these are tree houses that were built you know in actual trees and you know so i i think they just made the right choice here to try and and make you really feel like you're on an island with this family
1: yeah they really do i i think that it absolutely feels like you're along for the ride with them in a shipwreck situation having to figure things out one day at a time. And then I, you know, I really like that they raise all of these moral points along the way. And it's not just about the survival aspect.
0: Yeah. Um, so th- I think that's a good time to kind of switch to our story here. And, and, and something I was picking up and part of this is I haven't seen this movie in years. And so watching it as, mm-hmm. as a full on adult, I, I was really interested to be paying attention to the dialogue when especially the mother and the father are talking about the reasons why they were going to Papua New Guinea in the first place, going to New Guinea um, in the first place, which is, you know, they're from Switzerland and this is during the Napoleonic Wars. And their fear is that if they stay there, their sons are going to get embroiled, especially their two oldest sons are going to get embroiled in this war to which, They don't really want their sons to be a part of. And so they are traveling to this new colony to start a new life that will hopefully be better for their sons. And um, I thought, you know, that was a really neat setup to have, that this is not just, you know, about some family like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to a new place. Like, they have a very specific reason for wanting to be doing this um, and it's to protect their sons from something that they might not even necessarily, the, the Napoleonic Wars, it might not, not be something that they necessarily really believe in their sons being a part of. So
1: Yeah, it seems to me even that it is the precursor to Switzerland and real life becoming um, later impartial in conflicts in general, that maybe this led to that. Um, this kind of situation. And so I liked that aspect of it. And then especially that they mention um, between the mother and the father, not only that they want to get away from the war and they don't want their sons to go through that kind of life or possibly die because of it. It's also the, the father saying he doesn't want to just survive, that he wants to really be living life to the fullest. And he's like, you know, I, I see other people where we were from that decided to just take any job and tough it out, but I don't want to live like that. And I really, really admired that they put that in the story.
0: Yeah. I liked that too. Um, this, this idea of not just getting complacent in life, you know? Um, yeah, you know, and, um, just letting life pass you by. And, and I thought that was, yeah, I thought that was really great, you know. And and so this, this whole thing for them is about trying to start a new life and give their sons a better life instead of getting caught up in this war. And, you know, the reason they end up on this island is because their ship is attacked by pirates and they're driven into a storm, which um, the storm ravages the ship the crew abandon ship and they're left on board and you know they end up running aground off this uninhabited island and that's how they end there and it gives this, uh, them this opportunity to do something to which in many ways feels similar to the reason that they were going to New Guinea in the first place which is like you said they find a way to kind of start a new life and because they have no mm-hmm. idea whether they'll ever be rescued, and they have no idea um, how long they're going to be there, and so for them, they make the best of the situation that they're in. I just thought, you know, it's interesting the last couple weeks of the movies we've talked about how they've kind of applied to the situation that we're in, and you know, and, mm-hmm. and the idea of of making the best of of where you are sometimes too, you know, like they leave because they don't want to be complacent and and stuck in life and stuck in a place where their sons may go to war and doing jobs that they might really want to be doing. Um, but that they end up in a place where they have to make the best of it and they don't really have much. And so I just thought it was a really nice, um, it's really nice parallel. Strangely enough with where we kind of are in our world where we're having to make the best of situations that are not great you know like our lives in many ways have kind of been you know uh shipwrecked um and uh they end mm-hmm. up practicing the ultimate in social distancing <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they basically are teaching you that there's minimum things that you need to survive. But all of these other things that you think you need are actually just wants and comforts. They're not requirements to live. And that this family was able to essentially start with hardly anything left except the clothes on their back and pieces from the boat that wrecked um, to build this new place to live and to figure out how to get clean water and food and all of these things. But they figured it out. And I think that's the biggest lesson of this whole thing is how to be more minimalist, but then also how to survive when you need to. Not that it's, you know, like a play-by-play guide, but it gives some pretty good ideas. And it's it's interesting, too, because, like, I know I bring up my dad a lot, but that's the bond that he and I have always shared is that he wanted me and my sister to know that just because we were girls didn't mean that we couldn't do anything that he could do. And that he wanted us to be able to take care of ourselves and learn those kind of skills. So, like, movies like this really mattered to our relationship as father and daughter um i think that they really also focus on um what's the most important and that that's the people you have with you yeah i i really like
0: that Uh, because i think i think that whole idea of what are the important things and and that is you know something to which they left because they were putting the important things first which was their family and then they're put Mm -hmm. in the situation where everything is stripped away from them except for the people you know they they just have their family you know in the first few you know days there on the island before they even before they start thinking about you know building the house all they have is this rickety tent on the beach you know they have... Which looks awful. Yeah, it's, it is. <laughs> it is it is awful. Um, and so what they have to do then is rebuild their life and and do that in a way with all that they have available to them. And I think it really does remind them all about what's really important in life because what we see is that through this experience... The mother and the father realize that they have everything they need together with their sons. They have um, each other and their family. Um, they they realize that they they couldn't want more out of life than this than being able to work the land, provide for themselves, have a good home, um, and to do those type of things, um, and and then. Their oldest son, too, realizes that as well, like his goal is never to be you know involved in banking or working in an office like this is the life that's ready made for him, which is again to work the land to build with his own two hands um to to see the fruit of his labors in those very tangible ways and to be part of building mm-hmm. something new. Um, you know, and, and so it's just really interesting because then they have the juxtaposition of the only one in their family who, you know, Ernest, Ernest, um, and Ernest is, he is the one who, you know, he wants to be back in civilization. You know, his whole life is, is books and learning in, in that sense. And so, um, but even he, is able to learn the, um, I think some of those valuable lessons in life that he could never have learned elsewhere. So this, I just really love that this movie just kind of reminds us about what's really important. And on top of that, I thought it was really interesting, you know, that they get to the island from the ship for the first time on this raft that they've built, you know, and the father starts talking about. The first things they have to do, and I love that the mother says, that's not the first thing. And they all get on their knees and they pray and they thank God that they're safe. And again, I think yeah. it's just a great moment to remember, like, what are the most important things in life, you know? And, and sometimes the only way to remember what's truly important is to have everything legitimately and literally stripped away from you.
1: And to just get down on your knees and be grateful for what little you have. I think that that's something to, again, related to what we're going through right now with COVID is that there are the things that are the most important that really matter. And then there's all of the other things that we could live without. They're nice to have, but we'll be okay. And I I really like that they do have that moment. I'm so glad you mentioned it that they pray when they get there, because it's showing gratefulness, and that you can at any moment have everything stripped away from you. And what are you going to do with that? And it, you know, they show how they rise above it, and that they still have hope in the spite of everything being so messed up. So I, I, it's really nice to have that kind of positivity, especially again, at a time like this.
0: Well, I think that's one of the things that this movie does is that it is a kind of a lighthearted movie in that sense. You know, you, you always Mm -hmm. know that the family is going to overcome things and I think that's, uh, that's, that's good. You know, we, we need those type of, of things. And what I, I like is that it doesn't show this is not being a struggle, you know, like, cause you know, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely a struggle for them to get used to. And especially, you know, like the mother to get used to this idea of living in a tree and everything is completely different or whatever. Um, and so again, what do we see the the father do and the sons do? They try to make this feel as comfortable for her as possible by giving her as many of those kind of creature comforts that she might be um, used to. Um, and then it just, for all of them, this whole thing is about a shift in perspective, you know, a, a shift in um, the perspective of where they are and and how this can actually be a good thing and not necessarily just the worst thing that's ever happened. We got stuck on a deserted island and now life sucks, you know, and it really is mm-hmm. all about how your perspective Um, changes your reality and so and how you perceive something makes a difference and so I really appreciated that about the movie
1: yeah I I couldn't agree more (laughs) it's funny I think that we're both on the same page it's just adoring it from start to finish and it's mostly because of these really nice themes that I feel like you don't always get now with modern movies I feel like it really was a mission of Disney's to impose or not impose but encourage those kind of values in families and in kids um, and being appreciative for what you have and, and seizing the day I guess I would say um, because they didn't want to just go along with what everyone else was doing around them they did decide to leave Switzerland and try to find something different and then ended up here and then they're still making the best of the situation and figuring it out um,
0: you mentioned something that I thought was really interesting too is that this movie also does legitimately bring up this idea of you know the kind of the pros and cons of living on a deserted island and mm-hmm. that you know they're as good as they end up having it, they don't have everything they need to have the best life, especially and, and most importantly for their sons.
1: Right. Like more women. Yeah. I,
0: you know, uh, cause <laughs> just having your mom there isn't really going to do it for you. No.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that was something <laughs> it really I help. I really, it, no. Yeah, that was something that I it really took me um, was that the mom keeps bringing up, yes, we have everything we really need. But that's everything you and I need. It's not everything necessarily that our three sons need. And then even later, when the father says, well, look, now we've got one woman they've found. She's like, we have three sons. (laughs) Two more to go (laughs) You know, like, she is being positive. But she's also seeing the reality that everyone has that desire to grow up and have their own space, leave the nest, find someone to spend their life with. And they aren't necessarily having that opportunity at this point. So, you know, you hope that they're going to get to meet other people at some point. But she understands that the reality is the sons may leave.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's that's something that is really fascinating to me is this whole idea of, you know, the the fact that, you know, and and she rightly brings up, we don't have everything we need for our sons for the long haul here because they would never Mm -hmm. be able to have a family. Yes, they could live a good life, you know, but they wouldn't be able to have a family They would never be able to get married or fall in love or have any of those things. And so, um, just that idea is, is, you know, it, and I it think it's interesting, you know, you see the dad not necessarily really thinking of that, and, and I think it, she just brings up a great point, and so, you know, when they end up running into, um, Roberta and bring her with them, you know, and it's actually almost worse having one woman instead of None, you know, because of the conflict that it causes between the two older brothers. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think what's interesting is, you know, obviously the way the story ends up working out for them is that the, you know, middle son gets what he wants, which is to go to college and everything. And the oldest son will get what he wants, which is to live on this island with his his parents and and who will become his wife, Roberta and... To build a life for themselves, and of course, you know, because uh, this is a new island, and uh, this will actually be a place where other people might come and live, too, you know, so, like, it ends up all working out pretty well, but the reality of, like, you have the most important things, but once you have those, you know, most important things, there are other important things that they didn't have by being here on the island, you know, um, and thankfully... Right one of the things that um, allows them to be able to find some of those important things is by like you were talking about the father reminding the mom, like if we ever want to get out of here, if we ever want our children to be able to have those things, well, we we can let our oldest sons go and explore and see what they else they can find on this Island. You know, we have that opportunity. Um, and part of that is letting them go and letting them grow up. And so, It's interesting to be able to have that part of this movie kind of portray what it's like to be a parent and, you know, have to let your kids go as they get older. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not a I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a massive theme of the movie. But we do see these parents have to struggle with the idea that, you know, they're letting their sons go on a boat that they built to circumnavigate, hopefully, this island But they don't
1: know if they're ever going to even see them again, you know, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, none of them have ever been there or know what they're going to run into or how far it is around. I mean, any of these things. And, uh, you know, of course, there were no phones or anything like that around. (laughs) So, so. (laughs) hey, mom, we found the other side. Um, so, you know, they just have to hope they're going to come back and then they do and they've got the scroll with them. And I actually, that was another thing I meant to throw in. It obviously also wasn't a huge theme, but I like that they insinuate chivalry is not dead, but women can also be independent, that they're showing that the mother and Roberta have learned how to do everything that the men are doing as well but that the men can still treat them with respect and like a lady and, you know, like opening doors and asking them to d- to dance and just like really nice things you can do for a person to show them that you care, but it doesn't mean that these women aren't capable of taking care of themselves or shooting a gun or fighting pirates.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I thought was really interesting. You know, obviously um, throughout the movie, the, the men... Are protecting the women, but at the same time, in that fight with the pirates, though the women are doing just as much fighting as the men, and you know, you Mm -hmm. can see that up at that rock outcove that they've kind of got as their like you know, high ground. (laughs) You know, why Obi Wan wanted the high ground now, um, so uh. (laughs) you you they're there in the high ground and, and they're fending off pirates they're shooting pirates they're they're battling pirates you know with their muskets against sword you know just as much as, as the men are doing so yeah i think that's something that um you know is really important and i you know there's that moment like where she's getting fritz to teach her how to shoot she knows how to shoot it's my favorite yeah, she just wants to be close to him and then of course she shows just how good of a shot she is and why is that because her grandfather, who is the captain on a ship, has taught her how to shoot, you know, um so
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. She already knew she yep. was just oh yeah, using as a ploy, yep, absolutely
0: <laughs> she's a reeling them in, so um <laughs> absolutely no i i I think that's um an interesting thing in this movie because you know it, it was interesting the moment that they find out that she is a girl, and you know, then they start being a lot nicer to her. Um, But I mm-hmm. also appreciated the moment where, you know, there's that schism between Roberta, Fritz, and Ernest about whether or not they should go back or forward. And, you know, Fritz makes the decision of saying, no, we have to keep going. There is no turning back. And, you know... Roberta chooses to continue to follow Fritz and Ernst comes with them. But in that moment, you know, he's not, he's not treating her like anyone other than somebody who has to be able to get to the other side of the Island. And, you know, then that they find the zebra Mm -hmm. that helps with uh, all of them not having to carry as much weight and everything. Um, And
1: so I just, you know, he's like, but I'm not going to carry you the whole way either. Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) You know, so, yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. You know, the fact that chivalry isn't dead, and you know, shouldn't be. You know, it's not about yeah. it's not about treating somebody as is not as strong or good enough or whatever. It's just about respect. You know, that's all it should have exactly. To. And it, at least as growing up for myself, that was all it was ever about, either. So,
1: yeah, I just I really wanted to mention that because I I love that, and it just. Me even now at this point in my life rewatching it, it's just one of those things that sounds silly. Where I, I go swoon. It's so <laughs> it's so sweet. Well, um,
0: you know we have uh the cast here, and and one of the things that I was really keying into um, here in this rewatch was just how much I liked John Mills here as the father, and just how good of. I felt like for the most part of a dad, he is, you know, he's just a great father. He, he's one who really loves his sons. Mm-hmm. He, he, um, obviously shows his sons what it's like to be a good husband to his wife. He does everything he can to take care of his wife in a way that honors her as well. Uh, and gives her the best life he possibly can. And, at the same time, he's not um, a man who was afraid to allow his sons to become men as well, you know, to give them responsibility to to make sure that they lived up to that responsibility. You know, so I really appreciated him as a character. And I just really gravitated towards just this idea of what such a good father he is. And, you know, we don't have a ton of those represented anymore in media but you know he's he's the dad of dads you know he he really shows what it means to be a good father and a good husband and i think he's john mills is just so likable in this role you know um when he asks for berta to dance uh instead of the other two boys to dance you know and like kind of shows them what it means to be a a good gentleman you know it's just great
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah, he totally steals the show. I love that he really can especially let Francis, the youngest, kind of do his own thing. But he's still there to instruct when needed or to discipline when needed. But he really has more of a hands-off, let-them-make-their-own-mistakes approach. And I think that that's a good thing, the way that he does it. Um But that he jumps in when he's needed to, you know, I mean, with Fritz and Ernst, when they're fighting, he's letting them fight it out a little bit. But if it seems like it's going on too long, they're getting too rough or whatever, he does jump in every time and says, "Okay, what is going on? Get over it. (laughs) This is enough. Uh, But then he, he, like you said, knows how to diffuse the situation and then come in and be a gentleman again and come up with having the first holiday they're ever going to have on whatever they named it. What did they name it again? Uh, New Switzerland, I think. New Switzerland. (laughs) Doesn't really roll off the tongue. No, no, not really. So yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed him as well. And it was kind of funny. He, he kind of also reminded me of Rex Harrison a little bit, but Rex Harrison, you know, is a little more refined. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I can understand what you're saying i I just loved the the scene with him too where he's just playing with his sons and the waterfall and all that kind of stuff and you know uh he's mm-hmm. he's uh trying to do what his younger sons can do you know with switching the hands as they're you know on the vines and everything and just uh not afraid to fail in front of his sons right like the fact that he doesn't do mm-hmm. it and he falls into the water you know and he just makes a joke of it. Um, you know that—that's just good manhood, you know. Like the fact that he couldn't do what his, you know, eighteen-year-old son can do. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and he's probably in his fifties. Okay, you know, like that—that's—that's that's probably the way it should be, you know. Um, so just all yeah. of it, yeah. I just really liked. Um, what did you end up thinking of um Dorothy McGuire uh as mother?
1: She's perfect, and it, it's funny because I also knew her from old yeller you'll see it you'll Mm -hmm. notice a theme with this group of people they end up in a lot of disney movies together um but yeah she she's like just the perfect actress for playing the motherly role she comes across very warm and caring and the mother that is going to cry when you have to grow up and leave the house but is still going to encourage you to do that and she's just so sweet. And then I even read her actual personal story um, as an actress. Um, before she got to that point in her career, she was at one point in a convent. So she was a former nun.
0: Wow, that's crazy. I did not know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it It's interesting, Dorothy McGuire... Um, did a lot of roles like this apparently and I I just think because she was so suited to it for whatever reason some people are really take to the parenting kind of role and she's really good at it
0: you know I, I think um, one of the things that she really does well is portray a woman here who comes from a very refined society obviously mm-hmm. and somebody who's dumped on a deserted jungle island and who is not used to any of these things um and you know uh you know her worry about you know her youngest son and like um his safety and everything (laughs) one because he's a kind of a holy terror um in many ways Mm -hmm. um always getting himself into trouble but at the same time uh, you know, she, like you said, she does it all out of a place of warmth and and wanting to protect her family as much as she can. And and I do, I think she brings um such a a light to this family and the way that she portrays um them. And again, you know, she's the one who brings up this whole idea of you know that they don't have everything they need, especially here for their sons on this Island. And so, um, I, I think she portrays all of that with such ease and she really was perfect for the role. Um, and you know, it's interesting cause we have the three sons and it's so funny because, you know, I, Fritz is great and Francis is great because, for different reasons, you know, Francis is is the youngest and he's always getting himself in the trouble because he's always, you know, trying to collect a new animal. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Fritz is just this the rock steady one who um, is not overly emotional or anything for the most part, you know, and he's kind of more a little more stoic. Um, and then Ernst is just the one from the beginning of the movie who's just like driving you crazy the whole time. Like he's even driving his son, his father crazy, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. Uh, and so it's um, that kid. Yeah,
1: he plays that really well. And it's funny because when you think about it, I hear people all the time that say uh, middle child syndrome. I think he is the epitome of middle child syndrome. He's jealous of everybody around him getting everything they want. Why is it never about Ernst? Uh, And I I kind of feel for him. And I also see a little of myself in in him, even when they're trying to gather things off the boat. And he's picking up all the wrong things. And he's like, Dad, look, this organ still works. And he's like, yeah, right now we need to be more worried about survival. So, like, let's build a raft first. We'll get the organ later. If (laughs) ever. Stop worrying about the stupid organ. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's so not important right now. But I'm totally the kid that would be like, look. Um, I, I think that Fritz, as a character, is my favorite, not only because he's dreamy but also because he is like that rock. He's a lot like his dad. He's very independent. He also is the oldest. So that comes kind of with the territory, but he's very much about doing everything yourself and hard work and seeing the fruits of your labor and building a life. Um, Whereas Ernst is the person that's more interested in what more he can learn and Reading and writing and poetry and all of those kind of things. He's not as much into the manual labor aspect of life. Um, and so I think it's fascinating seeing them bounce off each other before they ever even meet another person.
0: Yeah, no, but, I know. But yeah, I think you you're know. absolutely right. I I love the the kind of interplay between them. Um, and I I like them all as brothers because like you were talking about like the middle child syndrome. I think what they did really well in the writing here, and I've never read the original book. Um, and I should go and and read that sometime. But you know the the way that they kind of get the a uh, the birth order here correct. You know, the oldest son being mm-hmm. the more responsible one, the uh, the middle son kind of being the complete opposite of the older son and the younger son just basically being the classic baby of the family you know mm-hmm. and so they do that That it's funny because they just do that really well
1: in this movie and the baby gets away with everything <laughs> it's exactly what happens <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I also love Francis um, well or the actor Kevin Corcoran I loved him in Pollyanna and in Old Yeller Again, like I was saying, all these actors appearing in other movies together again. He is so great at playing that kind of wild child character. That's kind of his thing as an actor. And he is so funny in this movie because he is a holy terror, especially for his mother running all over the place trying to figure out where he's gone off to and not letting him get eaten by a tiger. It's it's funny. And yet it also enables them to show how good of a parents these people are because they know when to say no and when to say yes with him um and then ultimately he's gonna be okay because they've taught him not to go too far
0: yeah you know i I think they allow him to explore his curiosity and and obviously sometimes uh you know he could obviously hurt himself but You know, at the same time, they seem to be parents that are going to allow their children to, they're going to teach them what they think is right, but they're also going to allow their children to make mistakes, you know? So, um, I think Mm -hmm. that we can see that plainly with all of them. So, uh, yeah, I I love all of the sons, and yeah, Fritz is my favorite too, just not because he's dreamy, but because he's the (laughs) character I would have wanted to be more alike, you know? Even though I'm more of a reader like Ernst, I would want to be in character more like Fritz. So we have Janet Monroe as Roberta and I think you know what's really interesting about her as a character is how well she goes from being you know playing that that the scared pretending to be a boy you know to coming into her own as the movie moves forward. I thought she did a really mm-hmm. good job with it because by the end of the movie she's very she is so much more confident. Um, and I don't know if it's just because that's how she always was and she's finally allowed to fully be herself, you know, again. Um, or if a part of this whole experience made her even more like that. But I just really enjoy her as an actress here in the role and you know, it's it's not hard to see, you know, why Fritz would want or would fall in love with her. But what I also love about that whole thing is that he's not going to change to be who she wants, right? Or, you know, like, yeah. so I thought that was really good, too, about, you know, their relationship and everything. So, yeah, just she works great in this movie and
1: another redhead, (laughs) too. Yeah, she really, I think you hit the nail on the head as far as what her journey was, Because if you think about how you would feel being in her shoes of you can't let it be known that you're actually female because these pirates could use it against you. So she's terrified for her life anyway, and then also of them possibly finding out her secret and then being taken by some guys that she doesn't know off to another place She just feels like she's being dragged everywhere and doesn't know what's going to happen from one minute to the next. And then finally, after they find out that she's a girl and that she has good intentions and the truth about why she and her grandfather are there, they have that trust between the two of them or her and their family, and she gets to open up and to feel safe again. And then even further to gain confidence and to feel like she is a, getting to be a woman again and wear a dress if she wants to. Um, and then have fun riding a zebra. I mean, that's that's my dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they make the coolest noises. <laughs> But yeah, I I do also like that you mentioned their relationship between Fritz and Roberta as well, because I think that that was a big moment when she's trying to convince him to go to London and he says, no, I'm never going to be in London because you're thinking in the moment, if this is the first time you're seeing this movie, that he's just going to go along with it because he likes her. And he's like, no, that's not who I am. I'm not going there. So if you want to be with me, you're going to have to stay here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I, I mean I just appreciate that because, you know, in many ways this is this is um this is where you you want characters to not choose to not be themselves to be with somebody, you know. Um and yeah. and you know, this is the honesty of like this is him saying this is who I am, this is what I want. If you want those things too, that's great. But he's also not asking her to change her mind specifically. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, and I thought that was a really interesting thing. He he doesn't ask her to stay. Um, she has to make up her own mind about what she wants. I thought that was really interesting. He doesn't even ask her to stay. He wants her to stay, but he never yeah. asks her, you know? So, you know, the Good the, point. The, the whole point of uh, this being like, it's not even about, um, us being in a relationship or, you know, what one person wants or what another person wants. They both have to make up their own minds, um, about what it is that they want. And, and, then you know live with that decision so i thought that was really cool um i something that wasn't on the outline but what did you just end up thinking about the whole pirate subplot uh kind of driving the kind of like i would say probably the the c part of the narrative
1: i think it's okay i think they realized you need something to add conflict instead of just the family dealing with their internal struggles And, I mean, it makes sense if you're in that area around that time that there would probably be pirates. It just comes across, at this point, a little bit uncomfortable um, because it feels like they're pegging a specific ethnicity as pirates. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too sensitive about it. Yeah,
0: no, I, I mean, I do think that... There, from 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 our vantage point, it's 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 a little bit different. But I was thinking through this, you know, in the area of the world that they are supposed to be, you know, it would make sense mm-hmm. that that these would be the type of pirates that you would run into, um, because you are surrounded by the Asian continent, and so, mm-hmm. um. And I was thinking back, just you know, just how much contact that the Asian world has with the English-speaking world, and so you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, sometimes I wonder if I'm even I, being a little oversensitive too. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's I don't know if it's if it's if it's really all that bad. Um. Because I mean, it's
1: certainly not as bad as breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs>
0: right. Well, and and not even that, but I'm just thinking like, you know, we uh, just like the pirates of the Caribbean, you know, these are, uh, mm-hmm. these are the exact same type of pirates, right? You know? So, um, yeah. they just happen to all be Asian in this movie, um, for, of Asian mm-hmm. descent. Uh, and so, uh, but you know, I don't know necessarily know if if that's a bad thing, especially with the the place in the world that they're meant to be, which is somewhere yeah. near New Guinea, um, which would make complete sense mm-hmm. why these would be the pirates. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what other people think about that because I'm not quite sure. I know how I feel, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I don't know. So.
1: I will say, though, I thought that the booby traps were excellent and very funny. I yeah. think, you know, one or two of them are kind of a giveaway, but the bridge is my favorite part. I was wondering, too, how
0: they got all of those logs up there, because those things look super heavy. I'm like, how would Oh, the yeah, world? the ones they
1: released down the yes, mountain. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. And one of my favorite lines in any movie is when they release the logs and Francis goes,
1: Hey, look, there's a man getting squished. i did not catch that yeah it's pretty funny i do like what he says oh my pirate alarm
0: yes yes no that's great um so i I, one of the things before we even got to ratings i was wondering is you know when you have a movie like this do you feel like this one still holds up
1: i feel like it does pretty well um i Especially for all of the themes we were talking about with family and growth and what matters most in life. Absolutely. I think the only things that don't hold up are just kind of some of the pirate scenes. Um, maybe like made me feel at least a little like culturally more uncomfortable now, but for the time I could kind of understand, um, cause this was in 1960. Um, but I think too, they could have just done a little bit better job, like I said. But the the anaconda fight, um, and and I forgot to mention, um, Janet Munro's squeals when she sees the lizard felt oh, really yeah. fake. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, Ugh. um, but yeah, otherwise, I would say for the most part, it does, and I enjoy watching it every time, so
0: yeah, you know, I think. To me, it pretty well holds up in the sense of, you know, this is a good family action adventure movie, you know, in the same vein as, you know, the type of movies that we still see today, like the newer Jumanji movies, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, this kind of fun, more lighthearted action adventure that you can watch with the whole family. And yeah, so I definitely think it holds up in that way um as, as something that just about anybody can
1: still enjoy so um what would you what would you rate it i would rate it uh and and this is going to make you laugh 8 out of 10 candles on a christmas tree mm yes that looks safe because every time i see that yeah i'm like no no and a treehouse no less <laughs> um they're going to burn everything down yeah i Like I said, mostly holds up for me. There's a couple little nitpicks, but I still love watching it. And I'm so happy it's on Disney Plus now. I didn't even have to buy it. I can watch it whenever I want.
0: I have the old uh, DVD copy, but uh, I did watch it on Disney Plus as well. So, yeah, I'd give this, um, yeah, to me this was like four and a half. I think I gave it four and a half out of five. Uh, baby elephants, you know, it's just, it really Mm -hmm. is, it's still so much fun for me to watch, even after all these years. Obviously, there's a lot of nostalgia there, but, you know, again, we, I think, talked through some really, um, great themes that this movie has, and, um, I, I do think that, for the most part, the movie holds up and is the kind of thing that you can watch with your family together and just really enjoy uh, and so kind of a perfect thing to be able to do here is is we're spending a lot more time at home, which,
1: Christy, makes me wonder what you might want to recommend this week. Oh, it is a doozy. In fact, I'm wondering if we even have the same one, if you like docu-series, Matt, because there's a new docu-series on Netflix called The Tiger King.
0: Oh, I haven't.
1: I've it heard will,
0: about it. I haven't seen it.
1: It will blow your mind. Okay. This is I highly, highly, highly recommend that everybody see this because it is a true story. It is a docuseries about a man who goes by the name Joe Exotic because apparently his last name is like Shreep Vogel and no one could ever spell it or pronounce it. And uh, he became known for owning um, big cats like lions, tigers, Mm. all of that, and starting his own zoo in memory of his brother called GW Zoo. Um, And then just kind of going off the deep end a little bit. And then there's an activist woman who's continually trying to get him shut down. And uh, apparently he put a hit out on her. It's Man. insane. Yeah. Drama. Intrigue. Lions. That. Tiger King. That is crazy. Goodness.
0: Yeah. Well, perfect thing <laughs> then to be able to watch on uh, the old Netflix. Um, for me, I have, uh, I've been reading this book called Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Ma- Imagination, and it's excellent. Um, I am only about a third of the way through, but it's so good. Um, you know, it, Walt Disney uh, helps change so much. Uh, and in many ways, it's really interesting too to be able to see the parallels between him and George Lucas as well. Um, so it's just a fascinating read. I'm really enjoying it, and I, I highly recommend, you know, if you are looking for a good book to read right now. Um, it's a longer book, but it is, if you want to know what has made Disney so special uh, all these years Um, reading about the man Walt Disney is the perfect way to do so so uh, Christy though if people want to catch up with you
1: where can they find you Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And I do a couple of other shows when I'm not here on the 602 Club with Matt. I do a show with my friend Teresa Delgado called Sabers and Spells. We just recently did our Spells episode about how we both got into Harry Potter fandom, which Matt knows a little bit about. And uh, now we're moving on to doing um, our conversational format where we're going to be catching up on everything Star Wars, Harry Potter and more every other week so stay tuned for the next one and then i do a show called planet leia on the fantha network where myself and five other women from around the world talk about star wars and i do a segment on the star wars report once a month called fashion in five about men's and women's star wars fashion
0: and you can find me on twitter instagram letterbox vero under the name matt rushing zero two uh you can also find me here on the network doing the orb with chris jones talking about uh, star trek deep space nine I'm over on the Nerd Party Network. I do two shows. One is called Owl Post. And uh, talking through each and every chapter of the Harry Potter book series with my friend Drea Kaufman, which is so much fun. Uh, John Mills and I, not the John Mills from this movie, but John Mills, you can find Mm -hmm. over on Twitter as Kessel Junkie. We do aggressive negotiations talking about Star Wars each and every weekend. So I highly encourage you to check it out. It's so much fun. We are actually doing a really cool uh, review contest over on the old uh, Apple podcast. So check that out all over Twitter. You can find us. Uh, And then last but not least, I do cinema stories with my good friend Courtney. And that is where we're talking about films, but through the lens of faith. So
1: thank you so much
0: for joining us.
1: And y'all come back now you hear.